Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and if you're new to the show, we are in a season unpacking American education. Be sure to scroll back on my podcast for some tips on breaking free from the system, getting started on the parent-directed journey, interviews with new and lifelong homeschoolers, and a whole lot of research I hope will equip and inspire you for the road ahead. We've been talking recently about the 12 toxic traits of the public school environment and how we see those fruits evidenced in the generational beliefs and behaviors of the youngest students. The seeds that have been planted in the public school classroom are now sprouting their tragic fruit across the landscape of an entire generation. If you haven't heard, my new book, Outsourced, Why America's Kids Need an Education Revolution, is finally available in print and on Kindle. Go to outsourcedthebook.com to order, or you can find all my blogs, books, and podcasts at cbcu.us on the president's page. After the last couple of weeks, uh, over the last couple of weeks on the show, we've been talking about how and why homeschooling is hands down the most effective way to raise up disciples. And this, of course, is why the government has seen it as a threat. As part of our rescue mission, we have to help parents understand their vital role in the training up of the next generation. So we'll spend some time over the next couple of months on the show talking about our developmental stages and how we can stay in tune with those needs. First, I want to shout out some of the churches who are stepping up into the rescue mission. This week, we had Freedom Church in Christiana, Pennsylvania, and Oak Valley Church in Eucalpa, California, step up to the call to open their church to the community. Well done, team. Pastors, if you'd like to know more about how you can play a vital role in rescuing the outsourced generation, just go to cvcu.us and click the Start an Academy tab. So let's talk a little bit about the stages of growth and development and how understanding these can help us parent better, teach better, disciple better, train up a generation of champions. From the design of our DNA to the marvels of a child developing within the womb, God's fingerprints are evidence throughout all of creation. Romans 1 reminds us that God's invisible qualities are displayed through his created works. And as humans, we are one of his very special created works. The psalmist declared in Psalm 139 that we are fearfully, we're wonderfully made, woven together with purpose and destiny from our very first cell of life. You knit me together in my mother's womb, King David said. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So as we talk about developmental design, as we talk about these gifts, reflect on God's design for your life, his good gifts to you, his inherent value that he's given you, that you possess as a son or a daughter of the king. You know, you were made for purpose. You were made with purpose. You were made for purpose. Your children were made on purpose and for a purpose. 
I love the account in Judges 13 when Manoah and his wife are visited by an angel and the angel gives them this very specific prophecy about a child they're about to have, Samson, remember him, along with very specific questions and instructions about how to raise this child. And Manoah asked the angel a question that I think all parents everywhere need to be asking God today. And that was, what is the child's manner of life and what is his mission? As parents, it's our responsibility to discover, to partner with the mission and the method, the vision that God has for our children. Imagine, imagine how the current generation would shift if every single parent stepped into that intentional coaching role, watching over the design and developmental potential of our children. What is your child's mission and manner of life? And how can you steward both the gift and the call. In 1271, Marco Polo made an amazing discovery, not the pool game, Marco Polo. But Polo and his contemporaries learned that a metal pin floated in water would spin until it froze in one direction, always the same direction without fail. Polo was absolutely astounded by this discovery, which he termed the magic needle. He was mystified by its spinning, stopping, spinning, stopping. He didn't realize at the moment that the metal in the pin was simply responding to the ore in the Earth's magnetic North Pole. Now, today, of course, we call that magic needle the compass. But prior to the discovery of the compass, sailors couldn't travel very far beyond the side of land because they had nothing to navigate by if a storm would come. With the discovery of the compass, though, sailors could navigate their ships through clouds and storms because they always had a clear sense of direction, a connection to the core. No matter how the boat tossed or turned or twisted, they could always find their way back home. In the same way, the more we understand our core, the magnetic compass placed deep within us by divine design, the more we'll understand our callings, our capabilities, our children's callings, our children's capabilities, their freedoms, their frailties. We were created by divine design, despite what modern media evolutionary biologists, your atheist high school science teacher may have told you, you are not an accident. There is no random gift within you. There is no random gift within your child. There are no spare parts. Every part, every purpose, every person has a purpose. Your body and your brain are masterfully designed. Your children's bodies and brains are masterfully designed. They're knit together in awesome ways. We're really just beginning to understand. You have a purpose in this world and God preordained that purpose for you before you were born. And the same is true of your children. You know, when we consider how God created humankind, male and female in his image, in his likeness, we really should marvel at the complexities, friends. We should stand in awe at the work of his hands. When I think about how God made man, you know, he had to create a vessel that would take mankind from the days of the garden to the days of computer technology. The same fingers that planted seeds in the ground would have to be equally adept at typing on a machine that would not be invented for another 6,000 years. Now that is planning ahead. 
<laughs> neuroscientists agree that the human brain is wired for relationship. Dr. Dan Siegel, I've quoted him many times before. He's a neuroscientist at UCLA, and he said that the brain is, quote, genetically programmed to be social. In essence, to be hardwired to take in signals from the social environment to alter its own internal states. Now, if that sounds a bit strange, consider it in the words of King Solomon in Proverbs twenty-two twenty-four: Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Our social relationships are powerful influences, and this is because humans are wired for relationships. God has wired us to be molded in the context of relationship, and he's placed within the body and the brain incredibly complex chemicals and dependencies and properties that support and strengthen these relationships. In fact, we can learn a great deal about God's intentions for our relationships through studying the actual vessel he created. From looking at these realms of biochemistry, it's clear that God created affectionate ties in our relationships. These nurture us, they support us, they strengthen us. One of the hidden clues to these directives is found in a hormone we've talked about before, the bonding hormone, oxytocin. It's getting a lot of press right now. Uh, we talked about Dr. Paul Zach's recent book, The Moral Molecule. He has a few different iterations of that, but he explores this impact around the world of oxytocin-rich cultural transactions. And remember, one of the findings we talked about a few shows back was that a trusting society is actually a more prosperous society. This hormone creates a bond between humans. So again, Romans, Romans 1, teaching us that God's nature is evidence in the created realm. Here is evidence looking beyond that scientific connotation to a sacred connotation. We see that God literally designed the body with a specific hormone that causes us to bond with another human being. How incredibly cool is that? This topic, I feel, is really important for us right now because as I wrote the book, Outsourced, which again, you can get at outsourcethebook.com, there's this striking and sobering lack of attachment in the youngest generations. It's actually one of the first things parents tell us they start to feel healing in their family relationships with their children when they start homeschooling, this piece on attachment. When we look at this bonding hormone we see in marriage, it's the source of a lifelong commitment. Genesis 2.24 says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. That word united, davak, in the original Hebrew means to cleave, to adhere, to glue. It's a beautiful biochemical picture of the two being joined as one. In parenting, we see the hormone oxytocin present in two unique functions. First, during childbirth and nursing, and then during relational attachment. In childbirth, oxytocin is that natural pain reliever. It's the true multitasker. And during nursing, oxytocin is released to create a bond with the baby. That bond is what we call attachment. I know I've shared before on the show one of my favorite definitions for attachment that my daughter gave when she was four, listening in on one of my conversations. She said, I know what attachment is. It's the invisible cord that binds my heart to your heart. And I think that's a pretty great summary. This principle of relational attachment is seen in Psalm 68, 6, where God tells us that he sets the lonely in families. That word lonely, yachid, in Hebrew means solitary, forsaken, wretched. God takes the forsaken, the wretched, the lonely, and places them in the context of relationship 
for their own healing. It's not healthy to live a relationally disconnected life. And finally, the production of oxytocin is seen in true friendship. We read in 1 Samuel 18.1, now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as himself. And this word knit, kasher in Hebrew means to bind or tie together. David and Jonathan had a relational bond that supported God's design for humanity, having connected lives attached to one another in true and authentic friendship. So we see these principles of relational connection and friendship and parenting and marriage. Our biochemical design supports connectivity. And this drive for relationships compels us toward others, just as this compass is drawn to the iron ore in the earth's core. We look at this, we see these cues that will help us structure our educational processes at home so that we are equally adept at teaching our children, whether they are boys or girls, because newsflash, they learn differently. You know, if you have a son who struggles with learning, be sure to check out Andrew Poudois' work at IEW.com. He has a podcast called How to Teach Writing to Boys Who Would Rather Make Forts All Day. Understanding these neural differences, these biochemical differences, really helps us to individualize the learning process, which is a big part, a very important part of being a home educator. Women are born with a larger corpus callosum. That's the band of tissue between the two hemispheres of the brain that helps us to connect emotion to experience. Moms, this gifting helps to facilitate the setting of healthy relational climates at home as well. Men have larger parietal lobes, which gives them greater spatial awareness. They have a larger amygdala, the seat of our fight or flight responses. Um, This inborn ability that helps them also set emotional climates. We'll look at this later on in, a, in some later podcasts, but fathers model the appropriate management or of emotions, and they have this weighty responsibility for displaying behavior worthy of emotion. We're going to talk about the specific ages where that's laid down. God's given us natural laws to govern our relationships. He tells us as parents to talk to our children about the laws, his laws all throughout the day at dinner, on the fields, in the roadways, Deuteronomy chapter six. He says to train up our children in the way they should go, to disciple them, Proverbs 22, six. Again, that's a mandate to us. Paul also chastised the Corinthian church for withholding affection from one another. In second Corinthians six, he said, open wide your hearts to one another. Don't withhold your affection. Encourage each other as long as it is today so you won't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. These same mandates exist for us as parents. One of the marvels of the first year of life is the complexity of the human brain. A favorite example of mine is that of the baby's quote due date, which as we know, really means nothing. And everybody wants to know a baby's due date, especially the mother, so we can plan our lives around the birth of the baby. But there's literally nothing an adult can do to make that baby ready at a certain time. Though we might try all kinds of crazy ideas to speed up the delivery date. I know I did. But listen, the timing of the birth comes from none other than the baby itself. What? What triggers the contractions? The contractions are triggered by a chemical within the brain of the soon-to-be-born baby that sends a hormone-induced signal to the mother's body that says, hello, I'm ready. (laughs) Think about that. This pre-linguistic baby whose eyes have never seen light, who has never breathed air or felt hard ground under his feet, whose hands have never held a pen or a book or an iPhone, this baby says, it's time, mom. (laughs) Come on, that's remarkable. Think about the human brain. 
At birth, the human brain is the least development, developed organ of the body. It has a hierarchy of systems at birth, like hemispheres and regions, but in order to reach full development, it has to be socialized. That's a pretty popular question in homeschooling. And we always ask, who is doing the socialized? Do we want our children to be socialized by a group of five-year-old reprobates? Or do we want our children to be socialized by adults, mentors, peers uh, of ours and and families that we trust to pour into our lives and their, our children's lives and to bring out greatness in them. Neuroscientists tell us that the adult brain is made up of over 10 billion cells called neurons. And each one of these connective fibers wind 2 million miles in length. Each one of these neurons is connected to each other at a synapse where neurotransmitters, which are chemicals, are released. And that creates a mental process. These neurons are capable of neural firing patterns upward of 10 to the millionth power. So you just see this incredible potential that's resonant within you, within your child at the very neural level. And in addition to those 10 billion neurons in your head, there are over a hundred trillion cells in your body. Virtually every one of those cells contains the genotype, which is the instruction manual for biological development. We'll talk about that in the in, in next week's show. It's replicated from the very first phase of life, the single cell, the zygote, that first cell of life. So there's this instruction manual within your body. It was written there when your first cell came into being, which is when life begins to exist. And then it was replicated, written on almost all of your 100 trillion cells as each one of those was being formed, right? Every day was written for us, ordained before one of them came to be. It's this purpose for us, for our children. It's written in our DNA 100 trillion times. When we don't use a muscle, what happens to it? It atrophies, right? The brain experiences a similar process. Neurons that are unused experience a literal cellular decay K. And Dr. Siegel says a quote, lack of use leads to impaired synaptic growth and a dying away process called pruning where connections are lost and neurons themselves die. What we nurture flourishes, what we feed grows, what we starve dies. This is really important for us as parent educators because we need to be feeding, fueling the right mindsets. We need to be feeding, fueling growth, development, possibility, potential, right? Hope in our children. What we think about, the concepts we associate together at the neural level, these create our basic system of beliefs, which influences our behavior. And as we look at the field of neuroscience and we are starting to know more about the capacity of the human brain than we've ever known before, uh, we see this possibility of transformation, that these neural fibers are literally being pruned and transformed according to the choices we make in our lives. Our children's brains are being pruned and transformed according to the decisions that they make throughout their lives. Remember, worldview, formed by age 13, attachments, zero to six. There are developmental stages that we need to partner with, and we're going to be talking about those in the, in, in the next few shows that are coming up. What we do externally, we become internally. Remember the apostle Paul told the Roman church to be quote, transformed through the renewing of their minds. And we know that that transformation is not only a spiritual transformation. It is physiological, right? Think about what we just learned about the human brain. We're transformed by thoughts, which become words, which become ongoing behavioral choices. 
A lot of young moms tell me that they've absorbed this idea that their purpose as a parent ends at potty training. When they say it out loud, they realize how strange it seems to believe that, but it is this embedded sense of purpose. They can't see themselves being important beyond that milestone. Parents, this is an overt lie of the enemy. Our children need our influence from the womb to adulthood. The human brain doesn't fully form until age 25. So that mentorship role, which we'll talk about some more in coming episodes, is vital throughout the developmental years. Remember, all the developmental science points to one key area of influence. The number one predictor of socioacademic success in a child's life is an involved parent. In the 1990s, researchers working with monkeys discovered what's now known as mirror neurons. They saw that parts of a monkey's brain responded as though the monkey were performing the act himself. In other words, the act of watching corresponded with this neural interpretation of doing, of performing. And since that time, research has now moved on to the human brain and similar processing styles. Mirror neurons affect our learning, our thinking processes. Athletes, for example, who watch a performance Uh, with which they're physically acquainted, they show activation in the regions of their brain as if they themselves are performing. One of the important arenas of consideration regarding mirror neurons is that of video games. Seminal researcher, Stanford professor Albert Bandura demonstrated this in his social learning theory uh, that the social environment has a profound effect on imitative behavior. Maybe you've heard the saying that children don't copy what we say, they copy what they what we do, they do what we say, do what we do rather than what we say, right? Since, since the time of Bandura's studies, a thousand researchers have demonstrated the same ideology. Things like violence begets violence. When children are exposed to certain behaviors, when they're exposed to cynicism, when they're exposed to negativity, they copy these behaviors. The social environment can foster or inhibit these existing genotypes. We'll talk about genotypes a little more next show. And if the mirror neurons are creating this neural pathway to learn behavioral traits, like some video game studies indicate, then we want to create environments that support positive pro-social behavior so that we can facilitate things like an overall reduction in violence, right? And our belief about our own role as educator, discipler, coach, influencer, this greatly impacts what we do, what we say. Our belief determines our behavior and our behavior determines our habits. This ultimately creates the environment of our home for better or for worse. Theories of development can help us understand the process of growth from a number of different angles, how we lay a healthy foundation for development, for our posterity, how we bring together the unique findings from human growth and development to create this intergenerational connectivity, this lifespan of wiring for healthy relationships. We'll talk later about these puzzle pieces, these theoretical approaches, but for right now, Start to reflect on your own developmental journey. How have you become the person you are today? What factors and decisions will influence the person you become tomorrow? And then apply that question to your parenting. Like Samson's father, Manoah, ask, what is this child's manner of life and what is his mission? As parents, it's our responsibility to discover, to partner with the mission and the method, the vision God has for our children. Again, imagine how this current generation would shift if every parent was watching over the design and developmental potential of our children. Today is a great day to take that step. What is your child's mission and manner of life and how can you help steward both that gift and that call? If you're a parent, 
Make disciples, starting in the home. If you're a young adult, start by leading, training yourself. Reach out to someone in your circle who can mentor you, disciple you, and pour out what you learn to someone younger than you. We'll start to break off this spirit of lawlessness, this constant friction that we're seeing in the generations today. If you're new to the show or if you are homeschooling for the first time, make sure you catch all the episodes on my podcast. Just scroll back for interviews, tips of the trade, and be sure to check out what we're accomplishing in and through our partnerships with parents and the local church right here in San Diego. Visit us at awakenacademysd.com and cvcu.us. That's Chula Vista Christian University. You'll find some helpful tools for support, community, and encouragement. And if you're a pastor in America, please DM me for help on getting your church active in the homeschool realm. You can go to cvcu.us and click start a homeschool academy so that you can join the rescue mission and bringing home today's outsourced generation. Again, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks again for joining me here today on the show. We'll be back next week with more of our toxic trait analysis and some developmental tips that will help you stay connected throughout the lifespan. We'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode, or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.